got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson here, Adam Dravetta back in the studio. We're going to be joined at some point by a couple different guests. Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back, will join us at about 340. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Will join us at the top of the five o'clock hour. I think Matt Llewellyn is going to join us. We're actually out here live at Twenty Third Street Brewery. We have a ton of T-shirts to give away. They're Crush Mizzou T-shirts, and all you got to do is come by. We're in the back here at Twenty Third Street Brewery. Just come by and get a free T-shirt. Now I will say, I've had this happen in many remotes, to where I've been on air talking. Somebody comes up, they see you with a headset on, you're talking, and they go, "Are you on the radio?" As if I'm going to respond to that. So don't do that. But come on by. Get a T-shirt, and yeah, simple. So Matt Llewellyn with me. Matt, thank you for hosting us today. Oh, man, my pleasure. I'm so happy to do it. Uh, got piles of here to give away, and uh, just glad you guys are out at the brewery today. Yeah, we're uh, really excited to be here, and uh, KU Missouri on the ledger tomorrow, taking on the Tigers, 215 is when things start up um, for that one. 1245 is when pregame gets going, and you can hear all that right here on KLWN as well as our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Uh, real quick, Matt, you're here. Grant Glasgow, Lawrence High. Oh, He's committed wow. to KU. How excited are you? I was that? so excited. His dad texted me that the other night. He texted me when he got the offer, and then uh, and I, that was just, that, I just loved it, of course. And then when he said he committed, oh, my goodness. Great. It's so great. I'm so proud of Grant, and I'm so happy for him and uh, and his family. I, you know, that's a big day. You get a commit from a D, D1 school, uh, and and he is going to impact that team. Oh, yeah. you know, uh, he's just he he's all about he's all about learning and getting better. And man, he had a great year. I've never seen a kicker do as well uh, as I did this year. I love he thank he thanked the Brungardners. Uh, for their help and, and education in him. Cool, because th- they were the kickers for him. So uh, he just did a great job, and KU's getting a good one. When he was a soccer player, correct? So Yes, and he still is. He yeah, still yeah. plays soccer. He's a goalie. Okay, and, and I don't know, maybe he'll play like club soccer at KU or something, but um, I, I don't know how much football he was playing or if he was going to This was his first year. Off. That's incredible. He started... So he knew that he wanted to be a kicker at last year at the, the 2020 uh, High Free State game. And he saw, because he's just a soccer player, he never yeah. played football, and he saw the excitement in the crowd and how everything was uh, at the game. And he had the most dramatic end to, uh, well, I should say, one of the most dramatic ends to any Lawrence High game ever in this uh, with no time on the clock, a game-winning 29-yard field goal against Olathe North, our, one of our main rivals, mm-hmm. our oldest rival anyway. Um, 
and it was just so cool. Just so cool. He, he's such a good kid. Uh, I'm just very, very proud of him. All right, so KU takes on Missouri tomorrow. That was a cool little aside. Uh, I've got on. my Crush Mizzou shirt on right yeah, now. Yeah, you do. I I'm love it. I'm sporting it. I've been sporting it all day. One. They're absolutely free. I, I, I was told. So listen to this. This is funny. Uh-huh. I was out uh, shopping today, and uh, there were a bunch of KU ladies ringing the bell for, you know, the, the yeah, Salvation yeah, yeah. Army this this I saw some uh, football weekend. players there the other day ringing the bell. Yeah. Well, so this weekend, give to the Salvation Army here in Lawrence, and we're it's a challenge between us and Columbia. Okay. So it's another border war challenge. Who can raise the most money? And I guarantee you, we can. I did my part. I put some money in the kettle. But anyway, the gals they they pointed out my shirt and they loved it. And I told them, hey, come come out to the brewery. It ended up being all the KU softball team. Well, that's awesome. we got to so, get them all t-shirts. Uh, so KU softball should be coming out here to get its t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see them and uh, out here at the brewery. And, it, you know, it's just a cool thing. Love it. Um, so I've never experienced a border war. Adam yesterday shared oh. his awesome story from the 2012 game. Oh. Do you remember where you were? Were you I at the was, game? I, so it's the first time in my life that I uh, realized – that I could, I felt like there is a strong possibility I could have a heart attack. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, and that was at the end of the game, and I was screaming and jumping up so loud. I mean, it was just incredible. And the noise and everything. And literally, I was, I was 10, 20 seconds into my celebration, and the crowd, of course, was still going nuts, and I had to sit down because I was like, oh, God. I, I like thought I was hyperventilating. I mean, <laughs> that was it was it, the first time in my life that that's happened a couple times since. But uh, you know, I'm getting old. I guess is part of that problem, uh-huh. and and not in the best of shape. But well, I know my limitations, so I'm a little <laughs> bit care, more careful. But boy, I I was holding nothing back at that game, and uh, so anyway, I don't know if that's good or bad. But uh, I, I, it was it, it was an important day but what a game and yes every KU Missouri game has been crucial mm-hmm. uh, I remember a lot a lot of them uh, they always seem like they have great finishes I mean yeah I mean we we've got we've got Mizzou's number uh, in basketball but not it's not an incredible advantage um, and they have certainly beaten us uh, upset us sometimes and we've certainly upset them sometimes Um Oh God! The classic one in '97. We were both ranked. I think actually, I think we were undefeated, and they beat us. Yeah, that was the only regular season loss for that KU team. The '96 right. '97 yes. team. Yes. Um, and they that whole year they were ranked one or two every year, and then they eventually the, the Arizona loss in the Sweet 16. I'm sure that is the the crown jewel for Missouri. Their win over KU. Uh, one would think. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the KU crown jewel probably is the last one when they played. When you when you look at all that, but this one. It's it's weird because you can see all the excitement, and I'm sure you're you're going to see the excitement tomorrow here at the oh, brewery it's gonna be during crazy. the game. Oh yeah, and and how crazy is that? Like I, I think that just shares how important the rivalry is because I don't know if you saw this. The point spread for the game got released. Um, I, shot, I saw this from Shane Jackson, formerly of the LJ World, from WinBet. Uh, twenty five points. KU that minus scares 25. me. I, that scares me. <laughs> you I, and Adam, I, I don't know what's going on. Both of you guys are like, this point spread's too big. It's like, that, why is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing, but it's KU Mizzou. It's mm-hmm. different. Although, I actually, I don't know. I'm glad that we've got two Kansas City boys who really get it. Uh, 
on the team, and so that makes me feel really good yeah, about, to help. about this. And I, I would imagine that they have shared that with their team. Um, uh, <laughs> but, man, I tell you, I, 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 I'm not touching it. I will tell you that. I, I would not put any money on that at all. <laughs> I just wouldn't. I, I, it's, just, it's, it's too many points for this game. Adam, what is your what is your big worry with this being such a uh, big point spread? Well, I mean, I'm just super neurotic in general, and I I think the 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 most I, it's it's just more about how little there is to gain from a victory, and how crushing a loss would be. I guess is the best way I can mm-hmm. put it. It's that's that's more what it has to do with me. If I'm looking at it objectively, I'd be pretty shocked if if KU lost this game. Um, but it's it's just more about how little there is to gain. That's what kind of frightens me, and 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 yeah, how so bad like there's Missouri's basically playing with house money. Exactly, right? Exactly. Oh, they. It's there's all no question, on. Yeah. It's all on KU to win this thing, and it would be mm-hmm. it would be nothing for Missouri if they lose because from their fan standpoint, their team still wants to win, but the fans they know they're having a rough season. This would be huge for their fan base, and it would be huge for the KU fan base uh, as well to get a win but in in terms of who the most pressure on it's it's all on KU because they're they're favored by so much yeah and I would love to see what the atmosphere in Columbia is like right now I I just I have no uh barometer for what that is sold out if they're playing KU though what oh if it it were in Columbia yes which it it will be next year right Mm -hmm. uh but I just I wonder what if they care. That is a good question. I, I, I just wonder if they care, if they realize what this rivalry is, what it means. Um, and I always felt like KU took it a lot more seriously than they did. But, uh, you know, that's – well. I don't know. When they were good at basketball that, in that 11-12 season, they, their fans made an entire rap video about beating KU. So they seem pretty into it. <laughs> Yeah, and and the I mean the antlers. I mean I I love David Lawrence's stories. Not that they were good stories, but my goodness, that that really emphasized picture, didn't it? what this rivalry means. Yeah. Um, do you have a? So I, I've been asking all my guests this this week. Like, do you have a favorite story? I don't know. Maybe it would be that 2012 game. But if it's we the were 2012 to set that game. one aside. Would there be another either story or anecdote that comes to mind for this rivalry? Well, I mean, we certainly remember all of the. And I just remember all of the articles in, 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 in the paper and the stories that happened surrounding the Antlers mm-hmm. and how bad those fans are and, and what they, you know, I, I mean, and what they do to our players. I mean, calling our, and, and that was kind of one of the things that the coaches told the players. It's like, at Mizzou Week, just take your phone off the hook. If you don't, it's just crazy. don't answer your phone. I mean, this is before cell phones. Mm-hmm. Don't answer your phones because it's, especially late at night, it's going to be a prank call. And they're going to talk about your mother and your father and your family, and they're going to get personal, and they're going to get evil, and and that's what and I mean that's what the antlers were all about. I mean, you heard David talking about all the number of liquor bottles that were thrown at them mm-hmm. from the antlers crowd. Uh, it's insanity, and the, and the fact that the police officers didn't care. Right? And, and sometimes it Columbia, wasn't even. They just didn't no, it's care. like. Sometimes it wasn't even liquor oh, bottles. Ahead, it was it was what comes out a few hours after you've drank the liquor bottles. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I remember that too. I mean, how 
No, it's straight out of a movie. It, it's yeah. like when you see in a movie, you know, watching like Friday Night Lights or something, and the bus gets pulled over by like a racist cop, and they're like, "Hey, you got to get out." You know, like it sounds like it's fake, but like that's actually kind of stuff of what happened there. So uh, I'll say this: um, when you look at the game specifically, I, I just have all the faith in the world because. When you look at the on-the-paper stuff, there's no reason KU should struggle in this game. Now, I will admit there are obvious, you know, off-the-paper things that you have to account for, but keep these in mind. Missouri is really, really bad on offense. They are 314th of 358 teams in effective field goal percentage. They are 353rd in three-point percentage. I love it. They've shot 24% from three. They're under 49% on twos, and they're 313th in turnover rate, which... They're really bad. They're in the bottom half of of college basketball in getting the ball stolen, but they're also in the bottom 50 in non-steal turnovers, which are running into charges or just straight up losing the ball on your own. So they are just a very bad offense. I I put this stat out on Twitter the other day. Missouri, by Ken Palm, is projected to score 62 points in this game. The five KU starters this season are averaging 62 points per game. So I, I feel very confident. The only thing that would make it you know, I, I don't know that they'll necessarily cover 25. That's a large spread because of the fact that you do have those off-the-paper type of factors. The, um, you know, do you play a little tighter being that you're the heavily favored team in a rivalry? Does the other team play up a level since it matters so much being that it is a rivalry? I, I expect that Missouri will at points play KU tight and play KU chippy, and maybe they're able to muddle up the game. But the problem is this KU offense has been so good this year, and with all of those struggles for the Missouri offense this year, especially the turnover ones where when KU gets off turnovers, they are elite in transition, I kind of have a hard time seeing how KU wins this less than 15. Let me say this, Derek. I'd, I'd buy that for sure. I just um, it, I just wouldn't put any money on it, that, uh, <laughs> uh, the 25. I mean, it's just too many points. Yeah. And, and I bite my tongue. I hate. And this is why you should never, everybody should never listen to me when I have advice. Uh, hey, you've been pretty rock solid on some of your predictions you've had this year. <laughs> oh, LHS went in by three against Olathe North on a that field was, goal. That was the that was the the error. And I called the I called the kick. I yeah. called the field goal. Yes, I said, you did. You said, I said Glasgow's yeah. gonna. I, I look at see uh, that was the best sports pick I've ever had in my entire life. Don't ever do what I say, but I, literally, literally. I would put money on Mizzou with the, and I take the twenty-five points. Okay, Adam. Well, I, I mean, I, I I'll say that I, I I'm I'm kind of with you, Derek. The twenty-five is such a huge number, um, but I will say this regarding you know me talking about you know being worried about this game or being neurotic or whatever the case may be. If this, if you gave me those exact rankings and that point spread and told me about that team's effective field goal percentage. And then at one point this year, they were losing 35-14 to 14 at halftime to Liberty. If you rounded all that up and put it in a team that was wearing a uniform other than Missouri's, I wouldn't be putting a second thought into this game. I just think, okay, it's going to be another blowout. It's who it is that, that makes me so nervous. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fair. It's the rivalry I'll say this, Missouri does do... Right, and they do certain things well. They're top 40 in both offensive and defensive rebounding rate. They force turnovers, but KU hasn't really been turnover prone. They get a lot of blocks, and I'm also curious because Missouri has a little bigger guards. KU has small guards, so I don't necessarily know that in a game like this where you're favored to win by 25, like 
how much does that impact things? Maybe it's the difference between winning by 18 and 22. But I do think at the very least it is a nice test subject for some of those things, how you fare against a good rebounding team, how you fare against a team with big guards for later in the season, whether it's conference play or the NCAA tournament, for kind of seeing how they do fare against that style of team. Yeah, I, that's actually a really good point. It's it's a, it's a very good test for them. I, I'll say this. One game that I think back to, and this was a much better team than that Missouri team, than this year's Missouri team. In 2013, KU was going for what I believe ultimately was their ninth straight Big 12 title. They'd had a three-game losing streak. One of those games included TCU. And in came K-State on Big Monday, who at that moment had a one-game lead in the Big 12 conference standings. And you had so you had another situation where K State, who was really good that that particular year, and had nothing to lose. Uh, all the pressure was on KU. It was a home game for KU. They were trying to keep their Big 12 streak alive. KU or K State was kind of playing with house money, and KU just came in and, and they they throttled. It was like 83 to 62. They just blitzed them. I mean, I can see this being a game where everybody's so pumped up. Um, you know, maybe the nerves are there for the first few minutes because they haven't heard this sort of noise in Allen Fieldhouse, especially when you factor in they didn't play in front of a full crowd at all last year. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I couldn't – like, I'm not going to sit here – as nervous as I am, I'm not going to sit here and be shocked if it's, you know, 42-18 to 18 at halftime in KU's favor. Well, I would never – I don't put the, and I agree with you about that K State game. We just crushed K State that game. Am I correct? I mean, yeah, yeah, we won, won by either 21, way. 21 points. Yeah, I would never. I don't put the K State rivalry in the same league with Missouri. Even now, I just don't. I, there's not the hatred associated, for, at least from the KU standpoint. There's not the hatred associated with that there is with the with the Mizzou. Uh, rivalry and and the big deal is the betting public loves KU basketball mm-hmm. it always seems like the line for uh, when for KU basketball is always heavily favored in KU's favor and um, and just like it is the Chiefs the yeah. betting public loves the Chiefs they love KU basketball and there's no real rhyme or reason why because I mean there's just no well, reason. I, I mean, it's that's important to note. Like the the betting line, it's not just about what they think is going to happen. It's what they think they can get people to bet on to try to make it as even as possible. And people with blue bloods, with teams that have good quarterbacks, with teams that have NBA stars, they're just going to be more favored in Vegas odds. So like Ken Palm has this as a twenty point game, but Vegas has it as twenty five because they think they can get people to bet that much. So um, Matt, I know you said you haven't been doing well with predictions, but I do want to. Me and Adam are going to have our game picks later on the show, so we'll make our official picks. But I want you to give an official score prediction got it okay uh so this is what so this is what i truly believe Mm -hmm. will happen i i would never put money on it because it's just too much but i think that this is a game that ku could score well over 100 and i'm going to say ku i'm going to say ku is going to score 120 (laughs) okay and i and i'm and i'm and listen to this and i'm going to say mizzou's going to score 80 and in the press conference, Bill Self is going to be mad that they let Mizzou score. Eight. Okay, I love that. Prediction. He's not going to talk about the offense. He's going to talk about the defense being terrible. Love it. 
Okay. Right. There's. Right. How about that, that for is a prediction? Long score prediction. Get out to the brewery. We've got some folks coming in already. Coming, uh, grabbing some T-shirts. Come out to the Twenty Third Street Brewery. We got free T-shirts. We don't have an unlimited supply. Yes. We probably first thirty, come, forty, yeah. something like that. So come out. But they'll uh, uh, with happy hour starting at four o'clock. They'll start. They'll start going away pretty quick. So perfect timing. All right, well, that is Matt Llewellyn, Adam Dravetta back in studio. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Brandon McAnderson joins us in about 15 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson, joined now by Brandon McAnderson of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Uh, so, BMAC, you got to participate in a handful of KU Missouri Weeks, KU Missouri Games when you were uh, with the KU football team, obviously a little different on the basketball court, I'm sure. But uh, what is your favorite memory of playing against Missouri? Uh, I think it was my introduction to the rivalry as a player. Uh, 2003, we hosted Missouri, and we won pretty easily. I think we won 35-13, and that was cool. And that was a lot like my childhood experience, you know, being in Kansas and anti-Missouri. But the hate started in 2004 uh, when we went and played them down in Columbia, and, you know, both of us were middling, uh, below-average teams, and it felt insignificant in general, you know, especially for me. I wasn't playing much, special teams guy. And uh, we went out to warm up, and all the Missouri guys were out there with no shirts on. And as we ran onto the field, they greeted us just by talking trash. And ever since then, it is so personal, I can't even put it into words. It was one of those things when we didn't plan, like, it, it felt – it felt good to not have to think about how much I hate it, <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and then coming back and seeing that we're going to re-engage, and now I'm, uh, as a fan again, uh, I'm excited to see it again. But it, it is very personal. I will say that. Well, like, how would you compare, for instance, the game against Missouri, the lead up to the game, compared to Kansas State, for instance? There's really not a comparison, and the reason I would say that is because. Um, there's a lot of familiarity with K-State, you know, especially me. I'm a, you know, Lawrence guy. So growing up, when I started getting recruited, half my teachers went to K-State, half my teachers went to KU. Um, so there was a lot of friendliness associated with Kansas State even to this day. Um, so I think there's just a general understanding and familiarity with each other that's uh, a lot of common ground, I would say. Uh, I don't feel any of that with Missouri. You know, I, I – uh, I taught my kids to potty train by telling them tigers poop in their pants uh, and Jayhawks don't. So this is all, like I said, this is all very personal to me. And I don't have any positive feelings towards Missouri. Um, I don't celebrate when they lose. I just don't want to have anything to do with them. It's just, uh, it's very personal. So what was it like, I guess, the the week leading up to the game in the locker room with the coaches? Was there a... Uh, concerted effort by you know the upperclassmen players, by the coaches, to make sure that everybody knew how much this game meant? So I think with playing for Mangino, Mangino is the ultimate chip on the shoulder, Darren. So we, we painted ourselves into a corner every game that we played, and that's not an exaggeration. It didn't matter if it was Florida International or Florida State. You know, we took it personal. 
the difference for Missouri Week was that uh, Coach Fambro, Coach Fambro always came and gave us the Missouri speech, and it was an event, man. You know, he the stories he would tell. Uh, one of my favorites, he said he coached a JV game, and the JV coach was rolling up the chain two yards every time Missouri had the ball. They only had to get eight yards for a first down. And he said the uh, the guy died on the first day. He celebrated twice. <laughs> so I think that was my uh, I think that was my favorite Mizzou story. And just in general, you know, I just like I said, very personal and, and very aggressive. And and the week leading up to it, we were kind of like I know that Missouri when we played them, they had a countdown clock to the Kansas game um, all year, you know. And we always had a countdown clock for the first game of the year. And we always thought it was a joke that they thought that much of us, that they touched a they touch a rock every day that signifies our rivalry. We always we always thought that they were over the top in terms of their focus on it, and we didn't buy into that. We just hated them. <laughs> so do you think with with this KU basketball team, they haven't like none of these guys have experienced this game. Uh, how how possible is it for them to take as seriously as it normally would in, in a season where you have played this game before? Like, do you think there is going to still be that edge for KU in this one? Absolutely. I think we're begging for a rival for once. You know, Kansas, especially Kansas State basketball, that's not a rivalry at all. And then if you look at Big 12 uh, contenders, they've rotated so much that that's not, they don't even have a Big 12 rival. You know, like Baylor has established themselves as a consistent contender, but they still have ups and downs. Uh, Tech will have an up, or Texas will have an up. So they don't really have a, a, a game on the schedule they're looking forward to every year. I think this will give them that, and I think the built-in familiarity of having three Kansas City guys and uh, DeJuan Harris, Christian Brown, Ochai, and then you throw in uh, you know Mitch Lightfoot who grew up here. That, I mean, that's four guys that are regionally familiar and will take it personal. And you know who will do the rest? The fans. The mm-hmm. fans will do the rest. And I think the loudness and the booing in there will make them understand the importance of it. Uh, Bill Self is always very – plays it very straight, plays it very straight in the media. He did not play it very straight when they beat Missouri <laughs> for the last time. I mean, he, that was as emotional as he was since they won the championship. Uh, so it means something to him, and I think they'll – They'll feel that from him, and they'll feel that from the fans, and they'll feel that from the local players. Then I think they'll be a, a house on fire uh, at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, and I wonder how much like you're having your best players lead the direction because, as you mentioned, with Ochai, he's a Kansas City kid, so he gets it. Uh, he he said, you know, growing up, he didn't really watch the game much. So I I don't know how much he was really into the rivalry, but he gets it. Uh, with Christian yesterday, we heard from him at, at media availability, and he. Uh, you can tell this means a lot to Christian Brown, and with the way he's playing, he is one of your two best players on the team right now. And then you add in the fact, yeah, like you said, like uh, Mitch Lightfoot knows it from watching the team. I'm sure Dewan Harris, who is from Columbia, Missouri, understands it. But at the very least, with Ochai and Christian, having your two best players understand what this means, that has to carry down to the rest of the team, right? Absolutely. It's not just that they're their two best players. Christian Brown is like the emotional barometer for the team. You know, he's the guy that's pointing at people. He's the guy that's, you know, physical, uh, rebounding. I love him in that stretch four position. It allows him to use his strength and athleticism. And I think he plays a physical, emotional brand of basketball. So it's not simply that, you know, he's aware. It's that he's skilled, he's emotional, and he's going to be the guy that kind of be the catalyst, as well as Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch, Mitch dunks. He's either dunking, 
screening or contesting shots at the rim. You know, those are all physical confrontations. So he's a guy that's going to be involved um, as well in that regard. And I think Ochai is just a, you know, an even kill player. So I don't know what, what his emotional attachment will be. Same could be said for Dewan Harris. So I think Lightfoot and uh, Brown will carry the water for the rest of the group. So I don't mean to uh, bring up bad memories or anything, but the KU-Missouri game, the final one you played in, uh, what was that like with all the hype leading up to it, with how good both teams were? And I know, like I said, like at the end of the day, it didn't go in the direction you guys wanted it to, but how cool is it to at least score a touchdown uh, in that game? You know, that was cool. I, you know, I look back on it like uh, it was such a big moment that I don't have that many memories from the game. I don't remember it the same way I do other games which is weird to say, but it's true. I just, I don't think of it the same way. Um, and it was cool to play at the stadium, but man, all I could think about in retrospect is what that, what that night would have been like in Memorial stadium. Um, you know, had we played it at Memorial stadium, uh, I think we're a national championship contender. I think we won the game. Um, so those kind of things are hard to get over, but at, at the game itself, you know, scored in the game. I'm, I don't think that much about that. Um, I just wish we could have found a way to win and get some of those, you know, Get, get our momentum going more quickly than we did. I think defensively, we did what we normally did. We just missed tackles, which was uncommon for us. And offensively, uh, we didn't respond well to the weather, and we just couldn't get a rhythm until it was too late. But that's one that, in retrospect, you just wish you could have had a memorial. Do you have a favorite memory from, because uh, I know I asked you this, about the KU-Missouri game when you were playing in it, but do you have a favorite memory from, a game you weren't playing in, whether it was you growing up watching it as a kid or after you had graduated, I don't know if you were there like the the next year when they took down Missouri in the snow or maybe on the basketball court. Is there one that really sticks out in your mind? So the basketball rivalry was heated, especially in the early 90s with those uh, Anthony Peele teams, just because Missouri was so good. You know, it was just two powerhouses going at it. So I have some, I don't have one that sticks out, but I used to love, Love watching, you know, that those two teams compete in basketball. Um, the the Air Mile three followed by might have been the Kirk Heinrich three. I can't remember if that was the order or not, but that game was awesome. Um, you know, so there is a there's quite a bit of memories there. I, I do, you know, as a Kansas football fan, my favorite memory of all time is the uh, reefing to Meyer. It's just a cool play, and it's just it's peak Bob Davis. And it's a Jayhawk victory, and uh, it's just everything that I love about being a Jayhawk. So that that's my favorite KU football memory, period, as a fan. And then uh, those uh, early 90s, uh, Javon Crudup, Anthony Peeler, you know, going up against, you know, Adonis Jordan and Rex Walters and some of those cats. I, I love those games. Well, we have to wait a little longer for the football version of this to – to restart i think 2025 the first year that's happening and i believe it'll be in uh columbia and then 2026 it comes to lawrence do you like it better when this is played on the home campuses of the teams or do you like when it was at arrowhead home campus i like the home campuses <laughs> yeah. um it's i get that the moment was so huge and that was fitting and i bet that the uh you know guys like blue perkins and whoever the athletic throws for that other school I bet they felt pretty good about it, and they really accomplished what they planned to. And it was a overall, it was a success. Uh, but a rivalry game is one you want to see played in your own backyard, and uh, that's just the way that I feel about it. Just because it even gets, like I said, my most personal moment was in Columbia, where I got a true understanding of the rivalry. 
Yeah, we had David Lawrence on earlier this week, and he was telling us stories about. So you'll have to watch out because you'll be, you know, sideline reporter for that game where he was, uh, you know, sideline reporting. And there was, I, th- I think he said one time when he was playing, they were throwing like beer bottles and everything. And then there was a, another game where I think he was a sideline reporter and they were throwing cups of urine down on the field. So be careful out there, man. Hey, this ain't the 80s or the 90s. Somebody throws a cup of urine at me, everybody's going. It's gonna, you remember when uh, Juggernaut broke out of jail in that accident? That's what it's going to look like. If somebody throws urine on me, this ain't the 80s. It's going to yeah. be a problem for everyone involved. Yeah, that's very true. I, we had the big, you know, that was like a – I don't know if it was a national story, but from like a sports perspective, it was a national story when Tennessee, uh, that happened and Lane Kiffin gets hit with a golf ball. So yeah, imagine, imagine if that happens with, yeah, uh, it would, it would definitely, uh, cause some fines repercussions because everything's on camera now. Right. Um, I do have a football question for you. Uh, Emmett Jones is taking a job at Texas tech and, I think it's bittersweet because on one hand you're appreciative of everything he did, but on the other hand, obviously it hurts that he goes to a, another team in your own conference. Um, but it, like I said, it, it, it's kind of impossible to not look back on how he at least helped lay the foundation with the program. So how pivotal do you think Emmett Jones was in helping get things started this year? And when you look at some of the recruits he brought in, a lot of them are these young receivers who maybe we've seen flashes of like LJ Arnold or haven't really seen guys like uh, Matt Magic Rector, Tanaka Scott, that I think the the lasting impact could be in, in two or three years down the road. So uh, do you have any words, I guess, for Emmett Jones and, and what he did for this program? So I'm a big fan of Emmett. I thought he was great for us. I thought he was – I thought he represented what both coaching staff had hoped to establish here that they weren't able to do, And I, if that makes sense. I thought he was a great recruiter, a great developer of talent, and a good person to represent your program. I thought he was the lofty expectations that those previous coaches had laid the foundation for that they weren't able to reach. So in that regard, um, I appreciate him a lot, and I, I loved everything that he did for the Jayhawks. But on the as you turn the coin, I think he, he also represents the end of an unrealistic expectation for the program. I think that in the past there was all this talk about you know, this. You know, we're going to recruit here. We're going to get great players here. And they did that for the most part, and it didn't make a difference. This winning here is about player development. It's about getting people in the building, keeping them in the building, and making them better. Every team that's ever had success here, that's really been the blueprint. I think that he kind of represents the end of an era. So him moving on moves on from that expectation of something that, to me, was unrealistic. I am uh, ready to see what what this staff has in store for this program and what their player development can mean for this program because I just feel like our fan base has put a lot of eggs in the recruiting basket over and over and over again and put a lot of expectations in that recruiting basket over and over and over again and didn't see it come to fruition. So I think it kind of represents the end of an era and moving into something new, something fresh, and and a – signs that that their way works better than what we've been exposed to in the past we're talking with brandon mcanderson here uh another round of game picks here we don't have as many this week obviously but uh we do have one college football game where uh we have army taking on navy in maryland army has given up seven points man two good teams i'm gonna go with army they've been playing really well on to the nfl um let's see you are 
27 and 32 on the air in the NFL. Las Vegas is taking on Kansas City. I think the Chiefs are responsible for a lot of those losses. Uh, Chiefs are giving up nine and a half here. Man, I can't stand the Chiefs. I used, I was I used to hate the Chiefs when I was a kid. Got over it because they were so much fun to watch. Now I keep picking them and they keep losing, so I hate them again. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to go with the Raiders, not because I like the Raiders. I actually am more upset at the Raiders than the Chiefs, uh, just because they're Jekyll and Hyde, Dink and Doug offense. You can't decide; they can't decide which game they're going to be the Mike Marks Rams or the Martin, Marty Schottenheimer Chiefs. Um, and it rotates, and they lose all the Marty Schottenheimer games and win all the Mike Marks games. So I don't know. <laughs> Baltimore at Cleveland. The Browns are minus two and a half. I don't like the Browns. I'm going to go with Baltimore. San Francisco is minus one and a half at Cincinnati. Ooh, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think they'll try to figure this out after a rough outing last week. Buffalo is at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers are giving up three and a half. I like the Bucs. Have you ever played in a, in a game like that where it was just complete, or maybe practice even, where uh, like the Buccane- or the Buffalo-New uh, England game where it was just blizzard conditions? Thank goodness, no. Um, because I mean, I've had a couple practices where, you know, it's so cold that every, every hit feels like you're getting hit with a hammer. Um, but that's, I, I couldn't say that I've played in that environment and had that type of wind, uh, where it just dictates the whole way the game is played. Uh, to be honest with you though, the colder, the better for me, I was a big, heavy running back. So if it was cold, it was going to be a longer night for them. LA Rams at Arizona. The Cardinals are giving up two and a half on Monday night. I like the Cardinals. All right, that is Game Picks. That is Brandon McAnderson, who joins us here on a Friday on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. BMAC, thank you so much for the time, and enjoy your weekend. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, that was Brandon McAnderson joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We are live out at 23rd Street Brewery. Come on by. You get a free T-shirt, free Crush Mizzou T-shirts. Come on by to 23rd Street Brewery. Say hi. Get a free T-shirt. With Adam Brevet, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Adam back at the studio. I'm out here live at 23rd Street Brewery, and uh, we're almost depleted on T-shirts. We came in with, I don't know, around 100 T-shirts. I think we had 100 to begin with. We gave away a couple last week. So, I don't know, around 95 or so T-shirts to give away. We might have 10 more. It's just first come first. Grab a T-shirt if you can, but uh, we're running out. I did have somebody who uh, his name was Rob, so thank you for listening, Rob. And uh, said his favorite memory from the KU Missouri game came in the 1972 game, and this is a great memory to flash back to. We're gonna have Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, on at the top of the five o'clock hour, and I'm gonna ask him about this because Bud Stallworth was a former RCST co-host with Brian, and uh, Bud Stallworth went for 50 points. In a 93-80 to 80 win over Missouri in 1972, he went 19 of 38 from the field, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Adam, do you know the only other KU player to score 50 points or more in a game? Um, it, I've got it between two players. It would either be um, Wilt Chamberlain or um, Nico Roberts. Mm. Well, I will tell you, it is definitely one of those two. Um, I'll go, and, and I think you uh, know which one it is. I'll go Wilt. That is correct. He had 52 points, and that was in Wilt Chamberlain's debut 
on December 3rd, 1956 against Northwestern. So uh, quite the game there. If, if I were to tell you somebody were to go to f- for 50 on Saturday, it'd have to be Ochai, right? Yeah, it was actually, it's funny you brought that up because before you asked me that question, I was going to run down the line and say who, who would be the one. Yeah, Ochai or Brown, one of them gets um, super hot from three um, and, and goes off. They, they would be my... The other thing is they would be at legendary status even though this is no longer a conference game. That would still cement them in KU lore, right? If they if they bounced in 50 points, oh, yeah. that would be amazing. I think, I mean, in college basketball, it's so hard to get to 50. It's so hard to even get to 40. I mean, 30 even feels like an outlier on some nights. So if even somebody gets to 40, that would be kind of legendary um, if that were to happen. But, uh, all right, we do got to get to our game picks here. Uh, we don't have a ton of NFL, uh, or I mean college football going on, obviously. Um, so we will uh, get going here and have our first college football game, the only college football game. Adam, you are 31-18 and 18 in college football, 4-1 and one last week, and you're 60-38 and 38 overall. The only game this week, Army is minus 7. They're taking on Navy. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about either of these teams. I'll just take the favorite, uh, Army. I'm going to go with Navy just because it's a, a rivalry game, a game that's usually played low scoring close. Obviously, both these are triple option teams. Um, Army has kind of dominated the series of late after Navy had their way for 15, 20 years or so. I, I just envision it being a close game because of the fact that they are so similar and how they play, and they are so similar in their recruiting base. I, I feel like these games always come down to like a three or four point game. So if you're giving me a whole seven points, I'll, I'll take Navy there. So if you uh, had your, so week, if you had your choice, one. you would go. Um, so what, what you're saying is I'm more about the ground guys and you're more with the semen. <laughs> that is one way of putting it. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for the lock of the week. I have to go with that game. That's the only game. But what I'm going to do is take the over-under. Now, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, I picked the under in the Air Force, I want to say, Army game this year. And boy, was it close to going over because it went to overtime. And in college overtime, things can get crazy with predicting the over-under of the score. But it ended up being the under. And in these games between military schools, we're both running triple option. The clock's winding now. It's a close game. It's a low-scoring game. I love the unders in these games. And a lot of times, they do hit. I mean, you could go find tons of statistics. Like, the under is this insane record in the military game. So it's only 34 and a half. That's a scary number. It's 21-14. You're over. I'm still going to go with the over or the under, excuse me, going with the under, under, under. Um, because I'm trusting the process there on that. Under 34.5 for Army and Navy. The can, locks of the week are 11-4. and four. Real quick, can you imagine how low those those over-unders would go if college football changes there? Because of the high-powered spread offenses like how Mummy used to run and that Mike Leach runs now and Chip Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. Because of that, a lot of college games are running so long because they, um, uh, because they stop the clock at every first down. Can you imagine how, first off, how low, much more low-scoring these military academy games would be if they ran the clock after each first down? And then on top of that, each one would only take like two hours. Oh, yeah, that'd actually be great. I'm actually all for that now. I, I do love, I think uh, a lot of people love the fact that the clock stops on first downs in college football from just playing like the college football video game because it allows for crazy comebacks at the end of games. But, like, from the game itself, I, I don't totally understand why we do that. That would be one way of speeding up the game. And, yeah, that would – hey, I'm, I'm all for two-hour football games. Uh, so let's do that. Uh, NFL, 
Adam, you're 29 and 20 on the year. You went two and three last week. I am 37 and 27, two and three last week as well. First up, Las Vegas is at Kansas City. The Chiefs are giving up nine and a half in Arrowhead. I like a slight lean to the Chiefs. Um, I'd actually feel more confident if this was at right at 10 rather than nine and a half. Um, but I can see like a, I think I said in the open 31 to 20 type game, and that gets them there. Um, my, the only thing that makes me nervous is the potential for a garbage time touchdown with the Chiefs being up 31 to 20 and, and the Raiders uh, cutting into that a little bit. I, I think for me to feel more comfortable, I need the, I'd like the Chiefs. I'd like to think the Chiefs would win by like 21. That way I have room for a garbage time touchdown if one happens. But I'll still, uh, I don't love the game. I don't love that line. But give me a lean toward the Kansas City Chiefs minus nine and a half. Nine and a half is a lot of points for an offense that is struggling right now. I think over the last six games, the Chiefs are only averaging 19 points per game. But the thing is, the defense has been so good that they could legitimately hold the Raiders to, you know, seven to ten points. We've seen them been holding other offenses to that range so far right now. So that wouldn't be that crazy. I just, with the way the offense is struggling, I, I don't feel great about covering that many points, which is funny because literally three weeks ago or whenever it was, the Chiefs put up over 40 on the Raiders. You would think that, oh, you're very comfortable with where the offense could be and, and should be in this game. But Patrick Mahomes over the last uh, four weeks, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, five of them came in that Raiders game. Outside of that game, it's been a bit of a struggle. But again, they're playing the Raiders, who was that one good game. So I guess I'm kind of talking at, at both ends of my mouth here. But I'm going to go with Las Vegas. I just think it's uh, too many points there. Baltimore is at Cleveland. The Browns are giving up two and a half. That's a weird one. Um, both these teams are trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, Baltimore's been kind of reeling lately, but I guess if, if you're giving me points, I think Baltimore's still the better team. And if, if I'm getting points, give me Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going Baltimore as well. And it does scare me a little bit that the – Browns um, are favored here because I don't really understand why the Browns have been injury plagued, especially with Baker Mayfield. They've been kind of a average team. The Ravens, even though they have the close loss last week, they're still tied for the best record in the AFC. So it's trying to figure out why are the Browns favored? And is that like a line that Vegas is giving you to just say, hey, we want you to take the Ravens. We're trying to bait you into this. That scares me to that standpoint. But I just I can't get on board with the Browns right now. Like I said, they're so beat up. They just haven't really clicked overall. And the Ravens, yes, they're beat up, but they've kind of overcome it a lot more. The fact that they lost last week to the Steelers the way that they did, I feel like you're going to get a good version of the Ravens on a bounce back this week. So I'll uh, go with you, and I'm going to go with Baltimore with the two and a half points. San Francisco is giving up a point and a half. They're at Cincinnati. That actually really surprised me. I would not have expected. On the road, um, that's a weird one. I guess give me San Francisco because I think it's a Vegas know-something game. That, I would not have expected. Yeah, I would not have expected San Francisco to be favored. I, it's not like Cincinnati's a bunch of world beaters, but uh, they're, they're in the playoff hunt. But I, I guess give me San Francisco minus the point. Yeah, I don't feel great about this one either. Um, both teams are coming off of losses. Both teams are coming off of games that they probably felt like they should have won. and Or, like, coming into the game. Um, they were both favored, I should say, coming into last week, and they both lost. I guess I'll go with San Francisco. I just, uh, like I've said 
over the past couple weeks. Like Cincinnati is a team who, when we're not talking about them, they do well. When we're talking about them, they don't do well. I still think we're talking about them right now after they got to seven and four, even after they lost to the Chargers. You know, they're in the playoff race. I think they need one more loss, then we'll go back to not talking about them, then they'll do well again. So I'm going to go with San Francisco. Uh, Buffalo is at Tampa Bay. The Tampa Tommies are giving up three and a half points. Oh, give me. Uh, <laughs> my instinct to say Tampa all day because it feels like such a low, such a, a, a soft line. It's in Tampa, you said, right? Mm-hmm. I, again, this feels like a Vegas know-something game, and I'm going to go the opposite of what I just felt on the last one. I I got to think they win by at least a touchdown, so give me Tampa. But they, this is weird. I, I feel like I'm wondering if, if they're just – if so much public money is still rolling in on the bills, um, but even then public money, that's your average Joe that only bets about 50 bucks a game, so it's not like that that moves the needle much. So It's usually the Sharks, the minority bettors that happen to be betting 10,000 bucks a game that really move the needle, but I I guess give me, give me Tampa because I think they win by at least a touchdown. I'm going to go with Buffalo. I agree with you. I thought, you know, if you would have just guessed the line of the game, like coming into it, I would have said, I don't know, Tampa five and a half, six and a half, something like that with the way the, the, the Bills are struggling right now. And the Bucks have kind of overcame some of their struggles from three, four weeks ago, and they're starting to get rolling again. And it's in Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady has tortured the Bills in his career. All that makes me think Tampa. So I'm kind of going with the Vegas thing that I was surprised by this line being this low. And I think there is, you know, maybe some desperation for Buffalo in this game. I don't know if they win the game, but can they lose by a field goal or less? After you come off the Patriots loss, it wasn't just the fact that you lost to a division team when you had, you know, it felt like a chance to kind of run the division for the second straight year. It's the way you lost, too. You kind of got your pride tested. They only threw the ball three times, and they beat you. And, and I would think you'd come out with a an inspired spirit in this game that this one would mean maybe a little bit more to them than it would to Tampa Bay. I, I mean, you could also convince me that maybe the Bills are broken, and if they lose this game, I'll probably start feeling that way. But I, I'm going to assume they bounce back a little bit more and, and that they're extra excited to be away from the blizzard conditions and playing in Florida where a team who, like typically you think of, you know, it's a cold weather team. And when you think of a cold weather team, you think of a team like the Bears who they play, you know, like a Bears on a good year where they play good defense, they run the football well, maybe they don't have the best passing attack. Uh, the Bills are a cold weather team by where they play, but they are not a cold weather team by how they play. They are very far from it. They pass the ball a ton. They don't run the ball very often. That doesn't really help you in blizzard-like conditions, but maybe in better conditions than this one. I'll go with the Bills. It's funny you bring Rams that up because up. the last time the Bills were really good with Jim Kelly and the K-Gun offense, they were also a passing attack. Um, I also do want to add, Derek, you know that feeling when it's really cold and you come into your home and the heater's on and you feel like you feel yourself thawing out and you feel like a steak that's been in the bottom of the garage freezer for like two years and you start thawing out? And then you hop in the shower and you feel the cold coming off you like a bunch of thorns just falling off of yes. you. Um, I do wonder, even though Buffalo, I'm sure, has gone back inside since that loss to the Patriots, I do wonder if uh, this is going to give them an opportunity to feel that same way uh, going into the, the weather. But I, I'm sticking with my pick. But as you were talking about the weather, that um, that metaphor just popped into my head. 
No, I like that. That's a good one. So uh, we'll see if that's the case. Rams are taking on Arizona. The Cardinals are giving up two and a half points. Um, I'm at a point now where I think the only reason I haven't believed in the Cardinals is because of their logo and their team name. Uh, I I like the Cardinals. Um, I, and and uh, this is probably when when they um, when I I get crushed for believing in them. Um, but now give me give me Arizona. So last week, if you remember, um, I finally gave up on believing on Cincinnati in, in college football, and you believed in them, and it worked for you. It didn't work for me. I'm going to do the opposite of that here. You have finally started to believe in, in Arizona. I'm going to follow Murphy's Law. Anything you know like bad that can happen basically will. So I'm going to go with the Rams. Uh, give me the two and a half points. I don't really know why. You, you know what's weird? Arizona is only three and two at home. Isn't that odd? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I'm trying to think of their – they also went way against the rule that I always have about road teams on Thursday night football because they hosted the Packers and lost. So uh, that was one of their home losses. Um, that is interesting uh, and, and might be worth noting if – I mean, we assume they're going to – they may even get the one seed, but at the very least we got to think they're getting a home playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, so I'll go with the Rams there. Uh, don't really love that one, though. Uh, on to college basketball, you are 1-0. You had Kansas minus the 6.5. I took St. John's. I thought it would be a closer game. Turned out not to be the case. Uh, Missouri is at Kansas. The Jayhawks are giving up 25 points. I Oh, my gosh. That's so many points. Um, What did they beat UTEP by, 24 Oh, 76-52, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. But also, that was a game where they, they didn't keep their foot on the gas pedal. And yeah, I, I know. imagine you would against Missouri. I think nerves might play a role. Missouri's so bad, man. I uh, Give me the Jayhawks. I don't know. I, I can see this being I'm, – I'm not quite where Llewellyn was. I don't think we're putting up 120, but I also don't think we're allowing 80. Um St. John's was 95-75. I can see this being something like 95-65 or 90-65, to 65, which would be exactly 25. That's so many points. Um, it's stupid to, to – I, I would never put money on this. Um, it's stupid to lay that many points in a college basketball game simply because it's hard to score so many points in a college basketball game. But you know what? Give me the Jayhawks minus the 25. If this line was closer to like 18 to 20, I would take KU. I thought it, I mean, Ken Palm had it at a 20 point game. Usually, Ken Palm and Vegas are pretty close to each other. Usually, I don't know, sometimes they're half a point away. Sometimes it's even like a point or two. But I, I, I don't remember another time when it was a five point difference, which is the case here. So I'll take Missouri. I think they keep it closer than 25. That is a lot to beat, even as bad as Missouri is, to beat a Power Five school by 25 points. I mean, that is really hard. Um, so. I think Kansas wins easily. I don't really think this game is going to be in doubt, but 25 is too much. I'm going to go with Missouri. As uh, bad as I, I feel saying that, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, look, that's not as foolish pick. I mean, it's 25 points, man. That's so many. So. Yeah, it really is. All right, that is our game pick segment with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us. In about 40 minutes from right now, we're going to do a KU Missouri game prop segment here in a little bit. But on the other side, David McCormick has a big opportunity that awaits him in Missouri, quite literally 
That on the other side. You're listening to KLWN FM 1017, 1320 on the AM dial. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. So I'm here at 23rd Street Brewery. We still got a handful of t-shirts to give away. And uh, Adam, I don't know if you've ever done one of these, um, but two people ordered the Everest Challenge. Are you aware of what that is? I am not. Enlighten me. Okay, so they have this thing on the menu called the Manly Stanley, and a Manly Stanley is like a basically a gigantic double burger with all sorts of toppings and cheese and delicious things on there and, and like, I don't know, pound of fries or something like that. The Everest Challenge is two Manly Stanleys stacked on top of each other with like two pounds of fries or something like that, and I just saw two of them get taken out to people. Um, do you think you could accomplish that? No. That's too many fries. Um, I once tried a, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, I once tried a uh, uh, thing called the Dagwood Challenge um, at the Ohio Deli, and it was a, a delicious sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, I think, four pounds, and along with the challenge, need, you needed to also enjoy a pound of fries with it. The sandwich Ooh. wasn't a tremendous challenge, but that's so many fries. Um, so no, I would come up short on that one. I think the most I've well, ever I'm eaten, hoping that I've had little trouble um, with the big old. Uh, let's see, in high school, I'm trying to think. I think it was in high school, maybe just after high school. Anyway, the big old pizza from Papa Kino's, I could I could horse down by myself. Oh man, I think it's gigantic. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that whoever ordered the two, it's two separate people and not one person who's like, I'm going to do the double Everest challenge. Uh, when I was playing tennis in high school, I was, you know, we, we kind of would have this thing where we would play. We were such junkies about the game of tennis that we'd practice till like six, and then we would play for another hour and a half or two hours. And I'd, of course, been in school for all day. Anyway, at that point, it was nothing. Like, it was nothing for me to eat. Um, two chipotle burritos back to back but that was yeah long I ago i can't do that well uh i don't know maybe we'll we'll we could team up on one and, and that would do it but uh anyway we, there's a, I do there's a get legend after i know we got to get to ku basketball so this will this will be a nice segue uh there's a legend um i don't know if it's true i've never confirmed it but there's a legend that after the 2003 elite eight in which ku uh defeated arizona to go to their second straight final four there's an urban legend that uh, Nick Collison and Kirk Heinrich uh, ate a full meal at like five or six different Anaheim restaurants because they were so hungry and drained after that game. Um, yeah, that is pretty wild. Um, okay, let's get into some uh, KU Missouri game props here. Uh, the first one I have, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, combined over under 39 and a half points that's what they average together um as a duo over under um yeah i think they each get to at least 20 i would say and if not i think one of them will hit at least 25 so yeah give me the over yeah i would take the over in that as well because of the fact that i think these are two of the guys that it matters to the most um 
if you were to just like list out the power rankings of who gives a bleep the most about this game, I think Christian Brown would be number one in my eyes. I think number two would probably be either Ochai or Dewan Harris. The other would be number three. So, I mean, it's three of the guys you're going to care the most. It's your two leading scorers. I think both of them get 40, maybe even 50 combined in this game. So I would take the over there as well. Worth noting, uh, those, those, are their, those are their combined points for the whole season. It would be much higher if you just took these last seven or so games for Brown. So even more reason to yeah, take the over. absolutely. Remy Martin over under nine and a half shots. The background here is that he has only taken double-digit shots twice this season. He's trending in the direction of under in the same way that Christian Brown is trending in the direction of over for points, and I'm going to stick with that. Um, I don't know that I like it because I, I would love this. I think Remy has the ability to be a facilitator. I know Self isn't thrilled with how passive he's been, uh, but still give me the under on that. I think I'm going to take the over because I feel like he's a, he's a, a big-game player. He loves the big moment, and... I, he hasn't taken that many shots. Again, he's only had the two games with double digits, 10 against Tarleton State, 11 against Dayton. Um, but he goes 0-4 against UTEP. He's averaging under six shots per game over the last three games. Bill Self had a talk with him saying, you know, I, I like the way that you're not forcing it necessarily, but we still need you to shoot more and score more than you did against UTEP when you go for 0-4 for with zero points. That can't happen. So I think Combining the fact that he's going to have more of a, an aggressive attitude coming into the game, leading from the coaching staff, the fact that it's also a big game and he feeds off the big moment, I'm going to take the over on the shots, and I think he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Remy Martin gives you 20 points in this game, which I think would be for the first time this season. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, That'd over be a under huge 125. Story. If, he, if he puts in 20 points, that would be a big story. Yeah, it would. Uh, over under 125 decibels from the crowd. I don't know if there'll be anybody there to officially measure it. Um, I think what they hit again that West Virginia game where they broke the record, 132 or 142? 130.4 was the record in 2017 against West Virginia. And they have like an unofficial measurement that goes on the big screen. I, I Usually you see it around 115, 120 for a big game, but obviously it reached 130 against West Virginia a couple years ago. Yeah, and that's when they were trying to break the record. Um, I'd say under. I think I think they get pumped, but I also don't know that there's going to be a point at this game like there was in 2012 uh, when they, um, you know, when they went nuts, uh, you know, because the game was so close. K, you made the big comeback, so give me the under. Yeah, I'll take the under as well. That's just that's really loud, um, and I don't think there's going to be any uh, anybody on hand like the Guinness Book of World Records. But I did see some some noise and hype around the idea that you know trying to break the record again, and that it would mean even more to do it against Missouri. So I don't know. We'll see if that that ends up uh, being an attempt. Over under .5 technicals on Kansas. You mentioned this yesterday with over under .5 on Christian Brown. So we'll we'll widen it out. Over under .5 technicals on Kansas. Um. I don't know. I can see a scenario in which, yeah, I'll, I'll take the over because I think someone's gonna gonna flex. I think the refs are gonna be a little more concerned about it. Um, so yeah, give me give me the over. I'm gonna take the under just because you know how many technicals do you even get over the course of a season between players and coaches? Five maybe. Um, even if it was you know 10 that'd be one in every like three or four games so the odds would just say it's not going to happen but 
there is a part of me that wants it to happen because it would add to chippiness and the rivalry. I don't want something like dirty happening. We talked about this yesterday, but I would love to see a play where like K dunks on Missouri and gets called for a technical because you're you know cheering about. It. Even if Missouri did it, because I think it would be good for the rivalry. I think it would be good for the game to add a little extra heat to the game. Again, nothing dirty, but just something like a, a celebration penalty, basically. But um, like with Bill Self. I, I don't think that's going to happen. He just got a technical against UTEP. Usually he's good for one or two a year. I don't think it's going to happen in back-to-back games. So I would take the under, but if I were to take the over, we would both agree, as we said yesterday, it would probably be the favorite in those betting odds would be Christian Brown, right? It, yeah, it would definitely be on a player more than Self. The, the one against UTEP was pretty surprising because Self usually saves his technicals for big uh, big games when he, he needs his team to really show up. Um you know, so I, you know, this is a big game, but I, I think usually I, I'm more thinking like Baylor, Texas, uh, games like that is usually when he when he pulls those texts out of his out of his hip pocket. Over under two and a half minutes played for Chris Tehan. Um, over. I think KU's closing them out, so give me the over. Well, the season high for Chris is three. He did that against Stony Brook, so this would tie a season high if he gets over the two and a half, and he's just done that once. He has a couple games with two, a couple games with one, um, but if you're expecting this to be along the point spread, even if it's not quite the 25, if it's a 22-point game, then he's going to get in pretty early in that game. Uh, but uh, you could convince me one of two ways, because if he does come in earlier than normal, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. What would you view to be more disrespectful, so to speak, if you're in Missouri? Would it be having the walk-ons come in with four or five minutes left, or would it be having the backups continuing to play till there's one or two minutes left, and then not only which would be more disrespectful, which would be more likely for Bill Self, because I think he likes Conzo Martin, so I don't think he's going to try to disrespect him, but I also don't think he's going to, you know, try to make the game a tighter score necessarily by putting them in too early, so I, I don't really know what to think on this one. He likes to get his dude's work. Uh, so I, I think he would that he would lean toward leaving them in longer. Um, I think in general, two minutes or one minute is about where it's at. Um, but I can also see KU being up thirty and the walk-ins going on or the walk-ons going on kind of one at a time a little more. The fact that it isn't mm-hmm. Senior Day uh, makes me think that that he'll get less playing time. But um, but still, I, I I'll take the over. I'll take the over so slightly. I'll say, yeah, it gets up to three. And the fact that, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe it's a uh, payback for, for Bill Self because uh, Connor Tehan played well against Missouri in his career to where um, he says, you know what, Chris, I'll give you an extra minute and tell your brother thank you. Uh, more threes. Jalen Coleman lands or Zach Clements? Um, uh Jalen Coleman lands. I think he's going to continue to get minutes. I don't, you know, Pettiford may improve by, or um, not Pettiford. Yesifu with Pettiford out might might jump up in minutes, but I still think that's going to mean more uh, minutes for Jalen Coleman lands. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be something like two to one. I think Clements gets at least one up, but I, I'll say Jalen Coleman lands. So Jalen Coleman lands is 6 of 16 from threes this year. Zach Clements is 5 of 11. So Clements has been more efficient, but Coleman lands has one more made three on the year. 
I, I kind of like the idea of with Missouri having a seven three big man out there, put in Zach Clements and let him just stretch the floor offensively. I'll say Clements gets two threes in this game, and I'll say Jalen Coleman lands has one. So I'm going to take Zach Clements there, but I think if uh, the smart bet is going to Jalen Coleman lands because he'll probably get more attempts at taking three pointers. You just uh, call yourself rebounds. dumb. Yes, so the, basically. The smart bet is here, so let that. me go the opposite. Yeah, got to go with the gut, baby. Uh, more rebounds. David McCormick or Christian Brown? Um, McCormick. Well, yeah, yeah, McCormick. Mm. I, I think Missouri's going to miss Christian's a heap. Christian's leading the team. Yeah, I think, well, that's true. Um, and there's going to be chances even for him to play the five. Um, no, I, I really think Dave has a big has a big game. I think he goes over double-digit rebounds. Yeah, I think the fact that they're going to have another big man in there means a, a big minutes game for Dave to where he's going to have the opportunity for a lot of rebounds. And, and uh, maybe it's, I don't know, uh, because there's the extra juice in the game. Like, uh, maybe he has a little added something to jump a little harder for those rebounds. So I will go with Dave, but it's funny because Christian is averaging over a rebound more per game than Dave. So he would probably have to be the betting favorite here. So both of us would be going, I guess, technically with the underdog. But uh, I'm going to go with Dave as well. Uh, more assists. Dewan Harris or Jalen Wilson plus Joe Yesifu. All right. Um, Dewan Harris or? Jalen Wilson plus Joe Yesifu. Um. Dewan Harris, I don't know if either of the other two gets four, and that would require the other one to get three. Um, so, yeah, I'll stick with Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris is averaging 4.1 assists per game. Jalen Wilson is at 1.8. Um, Joseph Yesfu is at 1.3. So, Dewan is, on average, getting one more assist per game. But, as you mentioned, Joe Yesfu could potentially play more with Bobby Pettiford not there. And I think we also are seeing a... a uh, bigger version of more minutes of Jalen Wilson as we get to each game and last game he had three assists which if he gets you three assists in this game you probably would say I'll take that one but also I I think I'll go Dewan Harris because I think this could be a big assist game for him I I think he has as I mentioned before a lot to play for in this game and we haven't really talked about him as much as guys like Ochai or Christian Brown but he is from Columbia Missouri and you look at his 24-7 sports recruiting profile it doesn't. It lists interest from Missouri, but it does not list an offer from the University of Missouri, which is very interesting that he would get out of that own city without an offer. I think he is going to play with quite the edge. Honestly, whatever you gave me an over-under on the steal total for Dewan Harris, like that would be where I'd be most interested with him impacting the game. But I think he has a big game and a game that means a lot to him. I think he has a lot of assists. So uh, I'll go with Dewan Harris there. And then... Uh, Last one, we got more points. KU starting five or Missouri overall? As I mentioned earlier in the show, Ken Palm is projecting Missouri to score 62 points in this game. When you total up Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, Remy Martin, David McCormick, and Dewan Harris, the five KU starters this year, combined, those five average 61.4 points per game. So it's about even when you look at those two numbers. More points, KU starting five or Missouri overall? I think Brown and Ochai kind of sniff somewhere between 45 and 50. So give me the starting five for KU. Okay, um, I'm going to go with uh, 
Yeah, I'll go with the starting five for KU there because of the fact that I agree with you. Ochai and Christian Brown could probably combine for 50 points in this game. And then if you get another, I don't know, 10, 12 from Dave, you get another 10, 15 from Rem. Like, you could get 75 points from your starters in this game. I don't think Missouri is going to score that much because of the fact that they have struggled so much offensively. They uh, are not a good two-point shooting team. They're under 49%. They're not a good three-point shooting team. They're at 24%. They turn the ball over a lot, which... That does two things. One, that keeps you from scoring. That also allows KU to score easy buckets and get some of those starters more points. I would actually take KU as well here um, in the over-under there. All right, we're going to be joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. He'll be uh, hopping on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour to talk KU basketball ahead of this game with KU taking on Missouri. We're out at 23rd Brewery. I think we only have one or two more T-shirts, so uh, you better hurry if you have a chance to get one. It might not even fit you, but... Hey, you'll at least have it. With Adam Dravetta back in the studio, I'm Derek Johnson out here at 23rd Street Brewery. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend- the brewery. Um, so now we are joined by Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks. Brian, thank you for coming out here. Sorry we just missed out on getting you a T-shirt. Last one just went. Oh, man, bummer. I went to the wrong side of the brewery. Oh, okay. For 10 years, we always did the show in the opposite corner. That's where James McClinton famously lost his lunch because he had a shellfish allergy, and he knew he had a shellfish allergy, and he knew that if he ordered Piper's Piping Hot Cajun Pasta, uh, there was going to be shrimp and stuff in that, but he said, it just looks so damn good, I had to order it anyway. That's literally what he said. But we started the show. And they put the pasta down in front of him. And his eyes got as big as a kid on Christmas Day. And you could just tell he was so excited. And, of course, this is back long before NIL. Mm-hmm. You could never buy a player a meal until his career was over. And so he had just finished up. He was done. We could finally give him a meal for coming out and doing the show. And so because this is the first time anybody was picking up the tab, he ordered the biggest vat of Piper's Pipe and Hot Cajun Pasta you could get. They put it down, and he just starts inhaling it he's not taking time to chew or anything so if you've got an allergy of course your throat's going to swell up anyway but if you're force feeding massive amounts of shrimp down your throat it's going to really swell up and so he gets about 20 seconds into just inhaling this and he starts going and he stands up and then he just unloads and, and then runs 10 feet to the left and unloads again it sounded like a dying whale on the beach and he ends up going to six different parts of the brewery just just projectile crazy vomit and david and i being the consummate professionals uh-huh. that we are try to keep it together but at that point it, it's one of those like contagious laughter things and, and we've been trying to like say here's here's what's coming up on the show with a straight face and then behind us and, and so it ended up being about six minutes of hilarity we've had to finally just go to break and and play like the news report or whatever, just to, like, get him time to compose himself. But that was all in the opposite corner. Wow. And maybe that's why you moved to this new corner. No, actually, I mean, just to peel the the curtain back, we we went over there. Somebody was sitting there when we got here to set up, so we couldn't set up there. So just came over here, and, uh, yeah, Matt let us But you got that story out of there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it actually worked out. I got to interject. I got to interject real, real quick on that topic. You, You guys both know me. Um, you've seen me. I, I've never missed a meal. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen me, I'm built, you know, I'm, I'm about 6'2", 6'3", but I'm also, uh, from a width standpoint, 
I'm kind of built like a big old pile of lasagna just put on a human costume and decided to go walking around and see what it's like to be a person for a while. So I, I like food is my point, and I don't think I've ever wanted food bad enough that I would knowingly order something that would make me sick. That's 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 dedication to the craft. It is. It is. And he was, for those that don't remember, he was the defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12 that year. What he lacked in height, he made up for with the biggest motor of just want to. I'm going to beat my man off the ball and, and get to the quarterback. And he was amazing. But I love that description, Adam. I've never heard a, a human lasagna or a lasagna putting on human skin. That's pretty good stuff. It's apt. Well, I, I think that was a perfect um, description then. You have a high motor, a guy who was you know, doubted in so many ways because the lack of height, he was probably like, nah, you know, I, I got this. You're doubting me. I can eat this. Yeah. Um, I did see somebody there was earlier. I was talking to Adam. Somebody ordered two of the Everest challenges or at least multiple people ordered it and, you know, they brought it along. So I don't know if you ever tried one of those. No. What is that? It's, I, I'm surprised nobody knows what this is. I thought this was like wide known knowledge. Um, there's actually a chalkboard over to our left that you can go after, after you're on air here and, and check out, um, it's a couple of the Manly Stanleys, the, okay. the burger, and they put two of them, stack them together. You get like a pound or two of fries. If you eat the whole thing, you get a T-shirt and name on the board or whatever wow. else. And Yeah, somebody <laughs> got two of them. So, uh, or multiple people got one, and they wanted to see who could finish first, if either could, could finish. But I don't know. There's not many people on that board. There might be 40 names on that board. The brewery's been open, what, 20 years now? It's not a long list of success. That's Amazing. For sure. Uh, so I'm curious, as, as we do look back into other stories here, um, you obviously spent a lot of years with Bud Stallworth at 50 points against Missouri in yeah. 1972. How many times did you hear that? Oh, my gosh. You know, people always say that Bud has so much swagger, has so much swagger, present tense, um, that he would bring it up a lot. And he did, but honestly – I brought it up more than he brought it up. I'm the one that called him Mr. 50. I'm the one that wrote it into the intro for the show. And so don't think that he was like crazy cocky no, or not fantastic or whatever. But he did like to bring yeah. it up. Because, yeah, Will went 50 months, but it wasn't against your top rival. Right. And so to and do Bud that. And will be quick to, he won't point out, like you said, he won't, you know, go out of his way to tell you he had 50, but he'll be quick when you point it out to say, yeah, and if there was a three-point line, I could have had 60. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, he is quick to point that out. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, to do it on your senior day versus Mizzou, to have your best day at anything when the stage is the biggest and the lights are the brightest is pretty special. So that's stuff that will live on for all of time. And. We forget that Anthony Peeler was almost as good against us in a KU Mizzou game, looking at it from the other perspective. But the Bud got that sweet taste of victory on his senior day, and hopefully our guys will have a sweet taste of victory tomorrow. I don't know how much they fully understand what the significance of this game is. I asked Coach Self earlier today, how much have you talked to the team about it? And he said, not much. He said, we're going to show him some videos tonight. Uh, just to give him a little bit of a crash course. Obviously, Christian Brown's family has Missouri Tiger connections all over the place, and so he knows all about it. Ochai to a certain extent, but he grew up more in Wisconsin than he did Kansas City. But the rest of these guys, when you think about it, the last time we played them, a lot of our team was eight or nine years old. Mm -hmm. So uh, they don't truly have a taste of it. And I was just talking with, with Brandon McAnderson, who I know you had on earlier, and, and he was saying even as a Lorenzian, he didn't appreciate – truly detesting these guys until he went to Columbia 
and was called every name under the sun, had stuff thrown at him, was just treated like garbage over there. That's when he really started to hate them. And so, you know, Bill Self will tell you there's no hate between the coaches and the players or anything like that. But the way the fans come at the guys is where they really start to develop their their passion or their venom to beat this other team because of the antlers harassing them or right. whatever. And because our guys tomorrow have not experienced that and won't experience that unless the antlers come at them or something on social media, um, I don't know that they'll fully grasp how much they're supposed to want this yeah. game. Now, they will feed off the energy in the building. It'll be as good as it's been in years. Coach Self is saying best environment in 20 months because he's talking pre-pandemic. And that's, that's a stone-cold lead pipe lock. Of course it will. But I would argue it's going to be better than it's been for West Virginia when we came back from down 14 with two and a half left. Maybe better than it was for Oklahoma in the triple overtime game. I mean, it's, it's going to be lit. And so how our guys feed off of that will be special. And then maybe in a couple of years, uh, guys that have experienced both home and away will truly understand why there is so much passion, we'll put that word yeah. on it, in this rivalry. Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up with how much are they going to kind of value the game. That's been a, a point of discussion on the show this week. And um, I, I think at the very least it has to help the fact that – because you're right. I mean, a guy like David McCormick, you're from Virginia, or a guy like Jalen Wilson, you're from Texas – you don't understand this, especially when you haven't been playing in it. But the fact that Ochai and, and Christian Brown have been to this point, your two best players, I would think that has to help with, you know, you, you kind of get fed off from the top, so to speak, where when your top players understand the importance of it, I think it does get passed down a little bit from that standpoint. And, and one guy who we've kind of been bringing up here over the last couple of days who I don't think has gotten enough mention for how much this could mean to him is Dewan Harris. He's literally from Columbia, Missouri. He went yeah. to Rockbridge High School. I was looking at his sports recruiting. I don't know if this is totally accurate, but it said he didn't get an offer from Missouri. It said there was interest, but he didn't get an offer. So I would imagine at least, I mean, that's three or five starters at the very least, and I think it can pass down from there. But yeah. you can't really manufacture it. I think you kind of have to live it. And maybe it takes kind of an early blow in the game. Maybe it takes kind of a a play early on that gets you, you know, feeling the motivation. But I'm curious what the videos that – that uh, Bill Self and everybody, they're going to be making them watch. Because we were talking about this yesterday. You have the 1961 fight, which is uh, so famous. I think it was 1961. I'd imagine that's not going to be a video that's shown because you don't want it to progress to that level, right? Yeah, I, I would imagine it'll not only be a collection of highlights from some of the big games, 2012 and, and the like, but also some video messages that previous players have recorded some of which have already been on social media this week others i think ku will roll out tomorrow but a lot of guys are either coming back you heard about 20 plus former jayhawks coming back or they've sent in a message yeah saying hey i know you don't know this but i'm just educating you this is a really big freaking deal and we need you to go out there and play with your hair on fire and take pride in beating these guys and and so i, I think the whatever they show them tonight will be a compilation of both major moments like you alluded to but also some encouraging words from some names that these guys will be like oh wow yeah he's sending a message but this is interesting the guys that our current players would idolize in the nba a lot of them never played against mizzou mm -hmm. uh you know the morris twins did they're still in the nba but the wigs and the joels and the Devontes and some of those guys that, that are the current star power from kansas basketball alumni 
haven't played either. So it'll be some longer in the tooth type inspirational speeches, which sounds crazy to say that Sharon Collins is an old guy or, or Thomas Robinson is an old guy. But it's, it'll be guys from that era that I think are going to reach out to these guys. Do you have a favorite KU Missouri story from whether it was your time doing Rock Chalk Sports Talk or, or just covering the series or, or watching it kind of grown up? Wow. Man, it's it's tough to pinpoint just one. I, you know, it was so great when I was sitting in your chair to have Don Fambro come in. Mm-hmm. He would come in for an hour at a time. We for like eight straight weeks in the summertime one year, and we did something called the Fam Files, and, and he would tell all his best stories. And David has them all, by the way, on CD. Oh wow! So not quite cassette deck, not quite eight track. This was the days of recording on cds we didn't have mp3s or digital adobe audition software at the time but man he told some incredible stories and there's nobody that can get you fired up to run through the wall and beat missouri like fam could but in terms of of getting to call the games i mean my senior day when i was at school at ku was 2002 and we went toe-to-toe with these guys and i want to say they were both top 25 teams but arthur johnson was their big star big man and you called games for KJHK on the student station. You kind of sit down at the end there, and I was right underneath the basket where in the middle of a big second-half Kansas run where we would blow the lid off the field house to the Tigers, they had a chance to stop the run. He had a deep block catch, wide-open dunk, and he got hung on the rim mm. and fell backwards on his back and just hit the ground like a ton of bricks. And the student section you know, just roared with laughter. We ran down the court, dunked it. I can't remember what the run was. It was something ridiculous, and we went on to blow them out. But I was on the call that day, and that was my last call in Allen Fieldhouse as a student announcer. And so to get to beat Mizzou on my senior night and to get to to do it in that fashion was pretty special. I think uh, for me, honestly, I, I may have told you guys this on Monday. I can't remember what station I was on, but of all the games I've had a chance to broadcast since I've been back as voice of the Jayhawks, clearly getting to punch our ticket for the Final Four with an Elite Eight win over Duke and Omaha is my favorite. But honestly, the showdown for relief game uh, earlier that year, I guess it was a year and a half earlier, uh, Billy Preston actually played in the game, right. if you want to put a time step on it. That was as fun as I've had outside of a March Madness game, and I mean that sincerely, because it was 18,900 in the Sprint Center, and half black and gold, half crimson and blue, we all wanted it so stinking bad. And why did we want it? Because, well, we hadn't played them in five years, yeah, but we didn't know when we'd ever play them again. And so much like 2012, where it was so important that we won the last game in the Fieldhouse, not knowing when the next one would come, even though this was just an exhibition game, it was so important to win it because what if we don't schedule them again for 20 years? And so I can't remember. Did I tell you the story on Monday? No, I don't don't want to be redundant. But Dana Anderson, who's our most beloved donor or one of them, uh, he was 82 years old at the time. He's sitting in the, in the courtside seats there at the Sprint Center, now T-Mobile Center, right next to our broadcast table. And he's pounding his hand on our broadcast table, and he's getting fired up on every made basket. And he stands up, and he turns to the crowd, and he throws both arms in the air, making this upward motion. <laughs> get up, get into it. And this, this wasn't some you know, student manager. This wasn't some yell leader. This was Dana Anderson. And when I saw his passion and how bad he wanted to beat him, I thought, man, this sums it up. This is what the rivalry is all about. And that same sweet man, who's one of my favorite guys in, in our whole alumni base, he came out to Hawk Talk the other night. He's now 87. 
and he wrote on his questionnaire for Coach Self, if you have a chance to run up the score, will you? I would like that. <laughs> Tata, you are awesome. Everybody's favorite. Oh, so that, that. that's the passion of our fan base and, and one of our most famous fans for sure. I love that. Well, on Monday you did share with us you just, I don't know, last week. I thought it was Monday. Uh, the Rock Chalk Pickahawk segment you did. Yeah. I don't know if you can do this with uh, what you do with KU, if, if you're even allowed to do this with us, but I would like to bring you back for this game. So whether you can do it or you can judge it with me and Adam. Sure, sure. All right, so you got to remind us on the rules. It's a point yeah. for a point. One point per point, two points for rebounds and assists, three points for block shots and steals. His coach self loves his defense. Mm-hmm. And then we deduct a point for every minute played. And you'd be surprised – how much that knocks the regulars out of the running because all of a sudden you get a guy that gets 12 minutes but gets like three steals and four assists and hits two threes and he might wind up winning yeah, the thing. Like so that efficiency, Clemens, right? Yeah, yeah maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so efficiency is so important. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, we can play it. Uh, there's, okay. no, there's no like monetary no, value. No monetary value. Uh, winner just gets bragging rights, right? They get to be the, the cool kid around the office, so to speak. I um, like it. So I will go ahead and give you, I, I don't know, how many guys do you normally pick? Is it one guy? Is it two guys? How do you oh, normally Is it do just it? you, me, and Adam? Yes. Okay. Just three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's, let's each do three. All right, we'll each do three. I will give you the choice. Do you want the first pick since you're the honorary guest here? Okay, thank you. Um, you know, I, I would normally be inclined to go with the All-American candidate, Ochai Abaji, but Christian Brown is such a stat sheet stuffer. And his mom and his uncle played for Mizzou. He understands this rivalry. Give me CB. Obviously, his brother used to play for Mizzou. Parker has since transferred Santa Clara. But uh, I think CB is going to have as much, you know, you talk about the venom and then the passion and the rivalry. He'll want this bad. And that guy that's dunked on dudes and then popped off a little bit is probably going to have a chip <laughs> on his shoulder tomorrow, yes. too. So give me Christian Brown with a bullet for number one in the Rock Chalk pick a hawk room. Rankings. Uh, All right. Uh, it seems the tie line has dropped out a little bit from 23rd Street Brewery. Perfect timing there. Um, you just heard Brian Haney in the Rock Chalk Pickahawk segment took Christian Brown. Um, pick then. I will uh, just. That was guys, his stall uh, tactic to get hey, the two picks to turn. Did you yes, guys? Right. Hear, did you guys just hear me? I was. I was trying to fill in. We we lost you for a second. Yeah, we're still losing uh, Derek and Brian down. Uh, I hope they can. I'm taking Ochai. Uh, anybody, don't steal him from me. Um, waiting to hear now from Remember Derek. I, I I still, if you guys can hear me, I need Derek to text because I you guys are cutting out really bad. Yeah. Uh, Derek, all right, I, I think I got you now. Oh, Go for it. Yeah, so uh, Brian took Christian Brown. You have the second pick, Adam. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure you guys heard me. I'm going to go with Ochai. Uh, I, I, I broadcasted it out to the audience who was listening so they could serve as witnesses, uh, so they already know. Um, but I'm glad you guys decided. I don't know what you're doing out there, but I'm glad you finally decided to join us again. I'm taking Ochai. Did you get to hear why I picked Christian Brown, though, or did we drop off the air for that? Yeah, he's a stat sheet stuffer, and he paid you $1,000. <laughs> Don't be saying that now. You're going to give me yeah. trouble. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. The reverse I NIL deal. There's a, yeah, my bad. Um, no, yeah, no. You, you explained okay, so that the stat, one, the stat sheet stuffer. Two, the, uh, Derek gets two. The fact that he's uh, bought into this rivalry. We, we got all of that. It was conveniently okay, right good. before my pick is when everything dropped. 
<laughs> awesome. All right, so I got back-to-backers. Um, I am going to go with the efficiency play. You mentioned, you know, you could have certain guys come off the bench and be efficient. I, uh, I, I guess I'll save this for my second pick because I feel weird taking Zach Clements, Clements in the first round. Um, but with my first round pick, I'll go with uh, David McCormick. I, I think, as I mentioned, it's a good opportunity for him to play well against a team who has some good big men in Missouri. Seven foot three big man, another big man who might be their best player on the team. Um, so I'll go with David McCormick to have a, a good game when he's amped up. And then I'll go with the other big man, Zach Clements. I think the fact that you have those good Missouri big men who literally are very large humans, like, like Zach Clements could very much pull away from the basket and hit some big threes. I'll go with the efficiency play there. So, Adam, what is your second pick? Real quick, assists. Did I did I hear that assists are worth two points apiece or three? They are. Two. Yeah, two. Okay, um, then in that case, based on uh, minutes, but more than anything, the fact that assists are worth double, I think because they think the Jayhawks are going to score quite a bit, that will help Dewan Harris's case for uh, assists. So give me Dewan. All right. I love it that my guy fell to me here. You talk about efficiency. I know he's not done it in scoring the ball yet, but Jalen Wilson averages 5.6 rebounds per game in just 16 minutes per game. So I think Jalen's due for a breakout. And wouldn't this be a great stage? You think about the way he played versus Creighton this time of year, a year ago, then at Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky game in the empty gym up in Indianapolis. That was a, uh, a back-to-back 23-point output. I think he has a breakout game. He gets 9 or 10 boards. 14 or 15 points, if not more. So give me Jalen Wilson as a surprise pick there. And then, I mean, how is the Big 12 player of the year? I know, right? Pre-season's I was still just on the board. that. I should have taken <laughs> yeah. him. I don't know why. And, and if, if Remy Martin, I did look this up. He has had a goose egg before. Mm-hmm. you got to go back to Santa Clara in 2019, the last time Remy Martin was scoreless. So wow. I think he comes out a little bit with his hair on fire and uh, – makes up for that so i think both those value picks at the turn in rounds two and three might be as good as my number one pick so give me remy martin and jalen wilson and i can just put the headset down now i think the game's over yeah i think uh you got the best team without a doubt i don't know what i was doing with my my picks anyway uh adam finish it off what's your third pick um yeah i think haney just uh just took it down i think you're right um but i guess i'll take um because he's your favorite and i'd like you to fight me Derek. i'm gonna go kj adams I do love some KJ Adams. I, I, I don't know how much he's going to play in this game. So, uh, I don't know. I'm fine with you taking him for this specific game, but uh, I'll always have a special place in my heart this season for KJ Adams. I'll finish it off with I, I think this is between two guys for me Joe Yasufu, Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot, I think, is one of those guys that will care more about the game just because he. I think he understands it more being a KU fan growing up. Um, and I, you might get the points with the blocks. If he gets a block or two, that's that's nice points there. Plus, he's old. He's seen like 15 border shows. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, he's seen a lot of them. Um, Joe Yesifu, though, is a guy who at any moment, I still feel like that's coming. There's going to be a game where he has 15, 20 points. Uh, and he's ultra-aggressive. We didn't really see it at the sprint center against UTEP, but he could be in line for more minutes while uh, Bobby Pettiford is out. Um, so it's kind of a a high floor versus high ceiling type of pick. I'll just go with the high ceiling type of pick. So I'll go with Joe Yesifu on uh, my third pick. So just to recap, Brian has Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, Remy Martin. Adam, you have Ochag Baji, Dewan Harris, KJ Adams. I have David McCormick, Zach Clements, and Joe Yesifu. And a reminder on those rules, it's a point for every point scored, two points for assists and rebounds, three for steals and blocks, and you subtract a point for every minute played. And I just want to confirm that those picks did go out over the air (laughs) because – 
when I dominate in the final standings on Saturday night, I don't want Derek to come back and say, actually, none of that was heard by anybody. Yeah, right. Adam yeah. knocked us off. We're doing air. this for ourselves. We're doing this for ourselves. Um, all right. Well, Brian, thank you so much for the time. Really looking forward to hearing your call tomorrow with uh, KU Missouri, 2.15 on KLWN, pregame at 1245. I'm going to go check out the 23rd Street yeah. Bird, Mount Everest standings. Should I attempt that tonight, or would that be a bad decision before the big call tomorrow? I think you do it after the game tomorrow. Okay. Just okay. On the uh, heartburn before the game. That's How about for sure. I'll eat an ounce of that for yeah. every point we win by. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't even think you'll put a dent in it if, if that happens. Because uh, even if they win by 20, I think there's like five pounds of food in that thing. Is there really? So wow. that would be, what, 80 ounces, something like that. Okay. So something to shoot for. Okay, there we go. He's Brian <laughs> Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.